Good morning, everyone. Glad you're here. Glad we have this opportunity to worship our God. Just wanted to make a couple of announcements. As you can tell by the photo up here, yesterday we had a number of brethren that took time out of their lives and schedules and went to the housing authority, and we were able to pass out approximately 360 winter coats to our neighbors that are in need in the Franklin area. And what is really encouraging about that, um, and even just talking to Mark a little bit, was from the standpoint that every year we get to talk to some of the families, why they're there and, and how they've been helped. And it's been a true blessing as you get to speak to some of these families and some of their circumstances that they are in. And, and so just for those that don't know, what we do every year because of the cold that's in, impending with the winter and knowing that while we get to enjoy life in the comforts of this building where we have what temperature controlled, uh, I think one or two degrees and we all get Ooh, I'm too hot, too cold and whatever in the middle of whether it's winter or summer. But we have neighbors that actually go without heat. Um, and it gets cold if you're not, if you are in a house that doesn't have heat, but what happens when you actually don't even have a house and you're living outdoors in this temperature. And so our desire is to help our community of, of neighbors that are in need. And so individuals from the congregation here have taken up donations, and a lot of you have participated in, in providing. In fact, I think, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but we had about 170 new coats that we were able to purchase about there, right? And another couple of hundred, excuse me, a couple of hundred more um, that had been donated. In fact, um, in addition to brethren here, I know that Miss Carlotta, she had spearheaded where, where the men and women from the assisted living at Brookdale were able to gather up a number of coats. And so I'm hoping that we can send a thank you letter to them and let them know what's going on and how they had participated with this. But through your love and generosity, we we're able to help a number of families. I would say at least 100 families showed up. Some of them with, I think, about six children with one family I think they had that needed coats. And so it was really encouraging to, to see that we were able to help these families. Um, on a completely, oh, and here's the slides. <laughs> and there are more slides than these, but you kind of get the idea of people. And we're actually not letting everyone in at the same time. We we're trying to bring them in little by little so that there was not all chaos um, during that time we were there. But it was a very, very edifying day. On a separate note, um, I know Hannah and Jordan, they've been kind of spearheading a young adults uh, Bible study. And it is not limited to couples. It's for everyone young, for all the young. I'm staying out of it. You guys define young. You guys do all that what you want, but uh, it's, it's open. And my understanding is the ideal situation is for parents to be able to come without their children. And I know that's not ideal for parents that have children and aren't able to get babysitters. But the purpose was so that we can uh, have that time to focus in and study God's word. And it gives some parents an opportunity. I mean, sometimes you got to get what you can to have a date, it seems like. So that may even be a great date opportunity to have these Bible studies. Um, it, the first one will be at our house. And so if you have any information about that, see Hannah or Julie for the details. I don't know what's going on. And when I do know what's going on, I forget what's going on. So I'm just there to teach. <laughs> And I didn't know what I'm teaching yet, so we'll figure that part out. I think our first gathering together, I'm going to give a um, small devotional. Uh, we might even, we'll be singing some songs and things of that nature. And I think we'll use the rest of the time to brainstorm topics that we would like to endeavor in. So if you want to come, uh, come join us. Again, details, Julie and Hannah have that as far as the time and where it's going to be rotating from, from month to month. All right. 
I don't know if y'all picked up on the reading that was read for us, and I don't know if the thing was glitching again. I don't know what happened on the, on the scripture reading for us, but I want us to, to note, and this is probably going to go out too. My battery's is zilching out, it looks like. Um, but on this passage of scripture, I want to reread it again. I want to focus in on what the apostle is saying. And by the way, little just, not much, but a little bit. Last week, uh, Phil was out of town and he said, I was looking at the sermon. How did it go? I said, oh, it was, you know, it was good. He said, I was looking at it. It said 50 minutes long. And I don't know, just wasn't going to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> so this two-minute sermon is for Phil. <laughs> no. I want us to go to Philippians 1. I want to reread that text. And I want you to see what's going on here. And we, again, we're going to look at some, some context as to the situation here because I think from our bubble that we have in this country, and particularly here in the South, this may be a little difficult for us to see, not just in the first century context, but then applying it to our current context of life. And so I want to reread that text in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. And then we're going to look at the context there and then see what's going on in life for us today. So Philippians 1, verse 12. I want you to know, brethren, the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, notice not all, but most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they'd add affliction to my chains. But the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether it is in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. So what a beautiful statement that he is saying that no matter the context, right, whether it's out of pretense or whether out of sincerity, out of genuine love for the gospel message and the, the furtherance of the gospel, that Christ is being proclaimed. And so I want us to, to note some things about what we take for granted here and the context within which we take for granted in our country and particularly here in the South. You remember back in the newspaper days, I don't know if, if newspapers are even in print anymore. I think I see some that uh, we get in a plastic bag and it's either used for the fire in the fire pit or it's thrown into the trash. I don't think we, we don't read the newspaper anymore. We just read whatever's on the screen, right? Our older brethren, we still read the newspaper. But here's the thing. Back in the day when churches would advertise in the newspapers, and I'm guessing they still do now, they would say something along the lines of, Join the church of your own choice, right? Well, think about it. We have articles and sermons along these lines of saying, no, it's, we need to be the Lord's church and, and not the church of your choice. But here's the practicality of what has taken place, even amongst brethren. 
We have something that someone does in the church, in the congregation, or something that's said in the pulpit, or something the elders will do, and then we get upset and we leave and go to the church of your choice. It's another church in your mind, in my mind, that says this will be a good, sound congregation, but then something happens there and we go to another. In other words, we do the very thing. We just go to a church that we want to be a part of because we think that it is the right church. Well, that's what everyone does, but guess what? What we take for granted is the fact that we can even do it. Let that sink in. We are talking to Michael last week. He was visiting a few days with the Barnes and before going back to Colorado. And someone asked him, well, what's the church situation there? There is no church around there. And so he goes to a church that, we, that he can go to because that's, that's all that's there. You go to other parts of the world, it's not a matter of choosing whether or not you go to a um, non-institutional church of Christ, let alone a church of Christ, let alone a denomination. It's just there's nobody in places. And some would say, well, why would you do that? Some places don't have a choice, and why would you do that? In our minds, we think we are choosing the right church. Well, guess what? We have the ability in this county, in this town, to choose what church we believe to be right with God. That's the way we think. That's our context, right? We have access to Bibles. Some of you right now are using a Bible that looks something like this. I don't know. Where, here we go. And some of you are using Bibles that look something like that. It's an amazing time we live in that we can choose that. We can go on like I did with this particular Bible. Mine was literally falling out during Bible studies. And so I, I go in on Amazon and in 24 hours I had a new Bible. That's just crazy that you even have the ability to do that. And some would say, well, you know what, Mitch? Even better. I can run up to a bookstore, right? Doesn't even have to be a Bible bookstore. I can run up to a bookstore, Books a Million or what, the other one, and, uh, and then go into the city, and, and you can go to all the different Christian bookstores, and you can go get a Bible in the next hour. Absolutely taken for granted that we have these blessings. If we don't even have those things because we, we don't want to spend the money, we can go to Bible Hub, Faith Life, Version. All the different apps that we have, all the different websites we can go to, and we can access Bibles or books or commentaries about the Bibles or lexicons or dictionaries or whatever else we want to about what we are reading and or studying because we've got the Internet. And we can download some of those things so that when we are not on our LTEs, we can go, okay, I'm offline, I can get that. And some of you are like, what does that mean? Well, the young people know. We have access all the time. That's our context. And so within a, a bubble that is so limited with the, the plethora of, of ability that we have, we narrow down our choices to what we believe to be the best choice possible. The reality is most of the world does not have this. When I say most, I'm talking about billions, not millions, billions of people that don't have a choice the way you and I have. Brent talks about going to India, and, and there are parts of third world countries, and the only reason why we have an influence there is because we send people to these parts of the world. 
brethren have, right? But there are many places in the world that do not have a local church. When I'm down in the Amazon, or what used to go down in Amazon back in the early 2000s, middle 2000s, later 2000s, there are places that we went in Ecuador that did not have local congregations. And you have people who are coming in from hours of traveling, happen to be visiting, the gospel is shared with them, they have the gospel, and they take it back to where they now live. Guess what they know? Jesus is Christ. Let that sink in for a moment. You can study with them for 24 hours, 48 hours. They can take notes and everything. You're not going to be able to teach them everything to the depth that you know here because many of them don't have those luxuries that we're talking about on the first slide. This is their context. This is what they live with day to day, practically speaking. Many of them don't have a Bible unless we have one to give to them because they cannot afford it. They don't have a means to purchase it, right? So there's not just a church grass, but any type of church in many places around the world. There's no place for Bibles. In fact, in many places, there's censorship. Some of you may not realize this, but beginning tomorrow, I believe it's tomorrow, the country of Russia will do something similar to China. They will close their, their internet, their networks off in, in, in various sectors. Censorship. It takes place on a daily basis around the world, right? We know about North Korea. We know about China and, and the censorship that goes on there. It's happening in other places, many other places, right? So for a variety of reasons, whether it's the internet, the radio, print, whatever the, the media is, many parts of this world do not have the luxuries that we have to, to quote-unquote, choose a congregation that we believe to be closest to the Lord's church. Many of them don't have the, that kind of ability, and many of them don't even have the ability to know whether or not that church that they're joining to is what they believe to be closest to the Lord. All they have is, I believe that Jesus is Christ, and I'm trying to walk with him, and I don't even have one of these things that you guys have. That's an amazing thought that some of us in this room would be so confused going, why is that even possible? How is that even possible? Yet that's a reality that takes place, right? And so that's part of the reason why when, when we have opportunities to go outside of this country, take advantage of those opportunities. See with your own eyes some of the realities. And many times, if we go to places that have already been established, that's one thing. Go to a place where the Lord's kingdom is not established today. Go to places where the gospel of Christ is very rarely taught. And maybe it had been taught generations ago, but not today, and, and the church is very small. Like, for instance, when, um, I think it was in 2004, we went to Ukraine, and some brethren had been going to Ukraine for a number of years, and we went to a place called Mariupol, right, on the Sea of Asof, on the coast, if you will, on the southern part of Ukraine. And the church is made up of only, I think, at... Before I got there, like five or six women. That's it. And then now you're faced with, okay, what happens when a man comes and enters in the room? And, and how does that portray with leadership, with roles of men and women? And all these different questions when someone becomes a Christian who's a male. Different bubble, different context. And so, again, our bubbles are very different. Our context of lives are very different so that we, we have the ideals that we want to portray and it doesn't always work in every situation because different circumstances of life. 
And so here's the thing. When we look at Paul's context, when, when look at his life of what's going on in the world in the first century as he is being imprisoned because he is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, what's his status? And what does he say that he is so rejoicing over the, his reality, if you will? Okay? Because mind you, he's in prison, and part of his imprisonment is because he is um, preaching Jesus Christ, and part of his continued imprisonment is because there are others preaching Christ Supposing to do Paul more harm while imprisoned. These are supposed brethren that are making his afflictions even worse. Let that sink in. Let, let that be understood. That's what he's talking about if you read again verses 12, 13, and 14, right? Go back to a passage that you're familiar with. It's in 2 Corinthians 11. And I want you to read. We're going to look at these few passages just right here and then finish off with Philippians and then the, the sermon is done. In 2 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul writes of all the, the reasons, not reasons, but um, ways in which he had been persecuted for the cause of Christ. So I'm going to read here in verses um, 24 through 27. I'm going to pick up in verse 22. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty two 22 says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger, thirst, fastings, in cold, nakedness, and beside other things, what comes upon me daily. All for his deep concern for the Lord's church and for the growth of his kingdom. So here is Paul. He's persecuted. He's in prison for preaching Jesus. And we just witness a litany of, of things of, of what had happened to him because of what he's done. And the very last statement was, among all those from without, included his own brethren. He says, some are proclaiming Christ for doing him harm. That's the reason. Can you imagine? It's hard enough when those on the outside of the kingdom are imprisoning you. And I think Ray was bringing this point out about Jesus this morning that, you know, he, he just held his breath, so to speak, like a lamb led to the slaughter. And while Paul was not quite like that with him because he used his Roman citizenship at times, there are times when he allowed the opportunity for imprisonment and that he understood, hey, this is like following Jesus. 
So I get that. But imagine then your own brethren. This is the context in which he says the final words in verses 15 through 18. Okay? Let me read it one more time. Philippians 1, verses now 15 through 18. And, and we're going to finish up with this. Read with me one more time. Look at these words. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and strife. Okay? So they're preaching it. They're not preaching. Let's see. Uh, it'll be on the next slide. They're not preaching a different gospel. They're preaching the true gospel, but look at their intent. They're doing it out of envy. They're doing it out of strife. The former preach from self-ambition, verse 16. Not sincerely. They're supposing to add affliction to his chains, to his imprisonment. He's already imprisoned, and we saw all the things that happened to him, right? Shipwrecked, left for dead, all the different things, stoned. Now, these individuals are preaching to add affliction to the Apostle Paul. And his conclusion is in verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense, like we just spoke of, or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Here's what I don't think the Apostle Paul is saying. I don't think he's saying that he would rather have everyone sharing the gospel and all of it being pure and, and that would be the ideal. I mean, that is the ideal. But he says, even when the gospel is preached out of pretense, right? Out of context, out of context of, of not having truth, if you will. In other words, it's not a sincerity of heart with the truth. I'm glad that it's still being proclaimed because Christ is being proclaimed. Even out of envy and strife, Christ is being proclaimed. Even, it's, even if it meant the Apostle Paul getting further persecuted, Christ is being proclaimed. And for that, he says, I rejoice. He doesn't want to have to rejoice for the falsehood of brethren. He doesn't want to rejoice for the, the, the affliction that he is in. But he does rejoice because Christ is still being proclaimed. And I believe that's a very important thing for us to understand. Remember from last week, we were talking about when man wills things. Man has limited sovereignty. right? But what does God do? So here, here is false brethren among many others outside the kingdom who are adding affliction to the apostle Paul's chains. But because they're preaching Christ, God is using their wrong motives to bring people into the kingdom or nearer to the kingdom. Either one, there, there's good happening. It's just like when, when the individuals were putting Jesus on the cross and they did it out of all their wicked motives, God is still using it for his glory. That's what Paul is seeing. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And so while God's faithful wants the true gospel to be proclaimed, right? Galatians 1 verse 6. If any man teach any other gospel than what had been taught to you, let him be accursed. 
right? It was because it was not a gospel centered around Jesus. It was a perverted gospel according to the New King James translated, uh, translation, right? We want God's gospel message to be proclaimed in a true fashion. But know that here's the way God works because it's not about us uh, in, from this standpoint, right? We talk about, well, I wish I knew exactly how to say it, just the right words because I don't want to make anything wrong. Well, who wants that? If you're truly faithful to God, you want everything to be true. The very things that Ben was praying about this morning. But what is God using? He's using us as tools, whether we are doing it the right way or not even close to being the right way, but we're trying. He's taking our imperfections as human beings, and what God is doing is using his providential care to bring about souls that are seeking after him. So you go to a place like Ethiopia in the first century. And you meet a man who had spoken to another man named Philip. And for this one encounter, he hears the message of Jesus Christ. And that's all we're told. We're not given any other context. We're not given any other information as to what the eunuch had to go back to Ethiopia. What do you suppose he's teaching? What he knew. It would not be to the, the depth, to the extent, so far as revelation has been given to us. And he's going to proclaim Jesus Christ. In the 21st century, we still have situations that may seem very similar to that. But here's where God steps in. Because of God's sovereignty and he knowing the hearts of men, those who call upon him, he provides the means however he does and I don't know how he works that way but he does so brethren rejoice when the name of Jesus is proclaimed even out of people and I'll, I'll give you one example and I tried doing a little bit of research I only know the name I don't know anything about this person Kanye West his name has been making the rounds on social media and in fact uh, Steve Cuffle, who preaches up in Brentwood, made a post about him. And, and I, again, I don't know all the ins and outs. Julie shared that information with me. And, and what I heard was he was baptized into Christ. And some were saying, well, what, into what reason? And wanted to get all that information and doesn't know. But, you know, for him, and I don't know anything about him. I just heard he's a rapper. I, that's all the information I have. What do you think? Do you rejoice? Glad you said that, Ray. I rejoice too. We may not know all the information on his background story, but you know what? For him to go from the kinds of music that he had before to the kind of music that he has now, and do we say, well, we're just going to wait? Just wait. Would you like that said of you? We're just going to wait till you mess up in some way then when I know you really weren't a child of God or we really know you're not a true Christian or what have you. Or do you rejoice that the gospel is being proclaimed in whatever the context being, knowing that we want it to be true, knowing that we want it to be right, knowing that we want it to be accurate. Within that framework, we want the ideal. 
but it may have come out of someone preaching a social gospel, someone teaching a monetary type gospel where it's all about the pockets being lined for the church and, and so on and so forth. Whatever the pretext is, whatever the pretense is, whether it be true or false, can we rejoice that Christ is being proclaimed? For some of you, it's hard to say yes. But I hope you will see, just as in the first century, the Apostle Paul said yes. I hope that in the 21st century, we can see the same thing. And then when we have the opportunities to share good news with others, that we get to share to the best of our ability as imperfect human beings, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's interesting, and I'll finish this this last statement, is that some would, would rather not say anything so we don't say anything wrong while at the same time look at someone else and go but you said it wrong you shouldn't have said that in the meantime that person is sharing the gospel knowing that god takes over and through his sovereign providential care can make us stand by need of our grace or his grace upon our lives and that's what i rejoice in to you as well one more time paul says in every way whether in pretense or in truth christ is preached and in this i rejoice yes and i will rejoice now we have the blessed opportunity because we have god's word and we have it in great abundance here we have teachings that that we hold dear to be true and foundational that when you hear the gospel message that you'll die to yourself and as Paul explicitly said to rise and walk in newness of life and he used that illustration of that watery grave behind the screen right first century didn't have a baptistry right there at the synagogue necessarily you might have to go to one of the pools in Jerusalem you might be in a town that's in a more deserted area that doesn't have a pool of water readily accessible to you what do you do or what do you do when and this is a modern situation here when you're incarcerated and you're in max security and I tell you about a month ago that we have the blessings because um, we have a sheriff and then I get told well we can't do it still now what do you do not everything is ideal but you have an ideal invitation right now where the invitation is for you to come and join the kingdom of our Lord with all everyone in this room that is imperfect but perfectly saved through the blood of Jesus. And you can be part of an effort. And you can, to your detriment or to your benefit, but to the benefit of souls who hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, receive that message. What I meant by detriment is we may preach out of strife. We may preach out of envy. We may preach out of wrongful motives at times. Right? God forbid that happens to us. But if it does happen, we can still rejoice that Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. And so the invitation is for you to be part of this kingdom. It's your choice. Remember, God gives you that choice. It's a freedom that is a beautiful freedom to have. And you can choose to reject him. That's your choice. God will still send his reign upon you while you breathe here on earth. His blessings are upon you from that standpoint. But if you want his eternal blessings, 
be part of his kingdom. Change your ways. Use his ways to live life. And he will grant you those blessings. And brethren, if you need our prayers, by all means, we'd be happy to pray for you on your behalf. We love you and want you to walk well with our God. That's your invitation. It's together we stand and sing. Amen.